So let us embark on another session of hearing and chanting. Those who relish such things and grow accustomed to them become very fortunate in their lives. There's a natural benediction that comes from being patient and listening attentively to transcendental sound vibration. That is that Krishna himself benedicts such a hearer from within and makes everything possible in life. The best kind of yagya is to hear about Krishna. And by yagya, we can do anything. Jagnartat karmanon yatra loko yam karma bandhana. This is Krishna's statement in the Bhagavad Gita that the universe was started and we were given the opportunity to make the most of ourselves through yagya. So we can cross over to the other side from the idea of trying to enjoy myself in this world to trying to please Krishna, and then we can be happy. One is undoable. The first is not possible because we can't fulfill our own desires. But if we fulfill Krishna's desires because we're part of Krishna, then naturally we'll feel satisfied. Because as the part and parcel, we're dependent on Krishna for everything. So we need to be worried that if we sacrifice for Krishna, that we'll lose. It's the opposite. If we don't sacrifice for Krishna, we'll lose whatever we are trying to enjoy separately. And we're going to start with the Bhagavad Gita in chapter 13, text number 22. Purusha prakriti stohi bhumte prakriti jangunan karanam gunasangosya sarasad yoni janmasu. Purusha prakriti stohi punkte prakriti jan gunan karanam guna sangosya sarasadyo nijan masu. Purusha means the living entity, although we're not actually purusha in a sense because purusha means the enjoyer in the context of being in the material world in this body. We're sometimes referred to. Krishna sometimes refers to us as Purusha because we're trying to be the enjoyer. Prakritista means being situated in the material energy. And that's a awkward situation for the soul to be situated. He's standing in matter, even though He's a living entity, is categorically different from matter. He certainly, Bhunte, enjoys Prakriti Jan, produced by the material nature, Gunan, the modes of nature, Karanam, the cause, Gunasanga, the association with the modes of nature, 
asya of the living entity, sarasat, in good and bad, yoni, species of life, janmasu, in birth. The living entity in material nature thus follows the ways of life, enjoying the three modes of nature. This is due to his association with that material nature. Thus he meets with good and evil among various species. Purport. This verse is very important for an understanding of how the living entities transmigrate from one body to another. It is explained in the second chapter that the living entity is transmigrating from one body to another, just as one changes dress. This change of dress is due to his attachment to material existence. As long as he is captivated by this false manifestation, he has to continue transmigrating from one body to another. Due to his desire to lord it over material nature, he is put into such undesirable circumstances. Under the influence of material desire, the entity is born sometimes as a demigod, sometimes as a man, sometimes as a beast, as a bird, as a worm, as an aquatic, as a saintly man, as a bug. This is going on. And in all cases, the living entity thinks himself to be the master of his circumstances, yet he is under the influence of material nature. How he is put into such different bodies is explained here. It is due to association with the different modes of nature. One has to rise, therefore, above the three material modes and become situated in the transcendental position. That is called Krishna consciousness. Unless one is situated in Krishna consciousness, his material consciousness will oblige him to transfer from one body to another because he has material desires since time immemorial. But he has to change that conception. That change can be affected only by hearing from authoritative sources. The best example is here. Arjuna is hearing the science of God from Krishna, the living entity. If he submits, the living entity, if he submits to this hearing process, will lose his long cherished desire to dominate material nature and gradually and proportionately as he reduces his long desire to dominate, he comes to enjoy spiritual happiness. In a Vedic mantra, it is said that he becomes learned in association with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In, the, in a Vedic mantra, it is said that as he becomes learned in association with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he proportionately relishes his eternal blissful life. Particularly striking the language here at the end of the purport, second, chapter, second paragraph, where Prabhupada mentions the long cherished desire to dominate material nature. And the way to overcome that, which is the cause of one's transmigrating from one body to the next, is to submit to the hearing process. And this is kind of a magical process. In fact, it's the main qualification for one to advance in spiritual life to the degree that one is eager to hear. To that degree, one's advanced in the practice of bhakti yoga or Krishna consciousness. The three modes of material nature are the forces that 
organized this entire material creation and under which we find ourselves compelled to act in certain ways. As an example, I may have a proclivity to eat certain kinds of foods. And there are a list of foods that are categorized in various modes of nature. Foods in the mode of goodness are very healthy. They're pleasing. They're fresh, tasty. And the foods in the mode of passion are hot, burning, and the foods in the mode of passion are decomposed. They've been sitting around for a long time and they're untouchable types of foodstuffs, foods that are, that leave a, uh, a bad impression within the mind because they come from, for instance, animals that have been slaughtered and so forth. And the modalities, as the example I gave with food, permeate all aspects of our lives. And in fact, our minds and bodies are made up of matter and matter is all ruled by these three modalities. Everything that we see in the world can be classified in one of the modes of nature or a combination of the various modes of material nature. They're also called gunas. Gunas means literally a rope that binds us and pulls us in a particular direction. And as an example, have you ever lain down to sleep at night and then been pulled off into sleep? That's the guna of tamu, tamugun, pulling you into sleep so that uh, you can get some rest. So then in the daytime, if you've ever felt yourself being pushed along by the mode of passion that you're moving from one thing to the next very quickly and you have multiple things to do, when you finish one, you have to think, what's the next thing I have to do? And you might have, that's Rajogun, the middle mode. And in the mode of goodness, you've might, you might have found yourself at a particular time feeling satisfied and peaceful. And you didn't need to go anywhere at the time you were appreciating the fact that you exist and that you can appreciate just the, the living force within and maybe you can appreciate that the world is unified through a powerful universal force. These are some indications of motives, goodness or sattva. And the modes are competing with themselves with each other constantly. Sometimes the mode of goodness is prominent, other times the mode of ignorance, sometimes rajas. And until one transcends the modes of material nature, we're compelled to act in a certain way. By the dictates of the modes, we're dragged. That's what the modes of nature are. So how is it that one can become freed from the binding knots uh, that are we're tied to by the modes of material nature, the binding knots that tie us to material nature and are 
and that are called the, the modalities or the three modes of nature, there's a process and it's to submit oneself to the hearing process, to hear about the spiritual world and hear about the instructions, uh, hear the instructions given by Krishna and other people. Krishna is a transcendental person, other transcendentalists who have become freed from the modes of material nature. And by hearing the sound vibration, which is a subtle element, enters the ears and it helps to overcome the strong impressions we've picked up from hearing other kinds of sound from people who are in the modes of material nature. It's a, it's a day to celebrate and it's also a, a goal to fix one's mind on and that is to rise above the three modes of material nature and become free from the desire to dominate matter. As I'll repeat, Prabhupada says, it's a long cherished desire to dominate matter. I've had it for many lifetimes. And when I come into this world, I have a kind of optimism about the world that maybe it'll work this time. And how can I position myself? I'm constantly moving from one position to the next, trying to get an advantage so that I can enjoy the material nature in some way. You may have driven up the 101 freeway and noticed on your way to Los Angeles that you'll see, well, that's a nice town. What if we live there? That would be nice. You go someplace, you think, oh, we could buy a little cabin there and we live in, live in the woods. We'd be so happy. But once you get there, actually, <laughs> you're the same. You're, although you may be in a different place, you're the same person. You're in that place. You bring the same obligations that you had in other places. Of course, I'm not advocating that you don't move. Actually, I am. Please don't. Um, but I'm just saying, wherever you go, you'll still carry with you your nature. That nature will compel you to act in a certain way. And the idea that I can move from one place to the next in this world, or I can get enough resources. I notice sometimes that people who have the profession of investing, what's his name? The uh, elderly man who's been investing his whole life. Warren Buffett. I'll say it again. Warren Buffett. Yeah, Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett. Uh, of course, he lives in a modest house, but still, how much money do you need after you get past? I don't know what past. I'm not going to name a number because it's relative to, for, for different people. David Vretta doesn't need more than a, a dollar in his pocket to get a toothbrush every couple of years, but others might, <laughs> might need a million to send their kids to school. <laughs> so the, 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 uh, investors, they make money and then they make more money and make more money. And they forget that actually I'm under the modes of material nature, but there's an underlying desire that if I have enough resource, namely money, then perhaps I'll be able to get comfortable here in the material world. 
or even a deeper seated desire that maybe I can overcome death. I want to protect myself. So in the very beginning of the Bhagavatam, the Srimad Bhagavatam is uh, the quintessential teachings of Bhakti Yoga. It's the postgraduate study of, or the graduate study of the Bhagavad Gita. And in it, the teacher, Shukadeva Goswami, he's so renounced that he renounced the world even before he came out of the womb. This is the story of Shukadeva. He was in the womb and he wouldn't come out. He said, I'll become attached. And then his parents couldn't convince him, so Krishna had to come and tell him, you can come out. You'll be protected. But he wasn't taking any chances, so when he came out of the womb of his mother, he took off for the forest. He didn't want anything to do with connections to the family or even taking the upanayanam, the ritual the father gives a mantra to the son. He just left and his father was calling out after him. He was so detached that when he was going to the forest, he went past a pokor where there were young women bathing. And as he walked past, although he was naked and they were bathing naked, they didn't bother to cover themselves because they, they could judge from his countenance that he didn't have, what's that called? Man gaze, the man gaze. It means the man gaze, you can look it up, it's a thing actually, I think, that the, the male psyche is to look into the environment, especially at the female form and think, that's for me, I gotta, I'm gonna enjoy that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dominate. This is what makes the material world go. And if, if you wanna see it in its acute form, you can go to Venice Beach, California, because that's where it's at its height. People walking up and down and they just, especially the men, they're looking at women and they're thinking that this is, I, I wanna dominate. But he didn't have an iota of that in his countenance. So they just notice, oh, there's somebody walking by. It's a, a spirit soul. We don't, they didn't cover themselves. Even when Vyasadeva walked by, they covered themselves. So ostensibly, because he was a grahasta playing the role there, they, they thought, yes, uh, he makes some designation. But Shukadeva had no designation. He went to the forest completely detached from the world. And then he heard the Srimad Bhagavatam. How? Because his father sent out some of his disciples to recite verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam so that Shukadeva would hear it. And when he heard it, he became attracted. And so Nirgranta, the Bhagavatam is mentioned as Nirgranta Apyurukrame because it's not, a, not real, it's not a book. It's not a book from this world anyway. It's from another world. It doesn't affect those who are trans. It doesn't have uh, any material vibration in it. And therefore those who are Atmarama, they're already detached from the whole material world. They like the Nirgranta because it has nothing to do with the modes of material nature. In fact, devotees notice when they start to make advancement in spiritual life, there's a sloughing off of attraction to the modes of nature. Um, they, they gradually become detached. Vasudeva Bhagavati Bhakti Yoga Prayojita Janayat Yashubhaira Gyan Gyanam Chayara Haitukam 
by practicing bhakti, especially by hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, naturally one gains knowledge and detachment from the world. And so Shukadev uh, showed the, the process of spiritual life by coming back, hearing the Bhagavatam, and then he became the perfect speaker of Bhagavatam because he was no longer interested in the material world. And we can notice that in ourselves, as we practice Krishna consciousness, that we'll lose that long-cherished desire to lord it over material nature. It's not cheap. First of all, it requires a desire to do so. At least it requires a, some intelligence to understand that my attachment to the material world is not a great idea. And it's explained in the first part of this purport why it's not a great idea. Because we become um, contaminated by these material desires in the modes of material nature. And then we're obligated to take another birth. And it's not up to us. We are assigned a particular type of body and situation in the next life. So with intelligence, one can understand that it's possibility of going to sleep. Death is like going to sleep as a, as a man, waking up as a dog. Go to sleep as a man, wake up as a dog. Kafka-esque. Man woke up as a cockroach. He had all these legs. How do I work them? That's what happens. We wake up in a new body and go, how do I work this? You have to be potty trained when you're a kid because you can't figure out exactly how to work the body that you get. So everyone's coaching you, you know, here, you got to walk like this. And then, you know, uh, you have to pass over here and you have to eat like this. Don't throw the food on the floor. Gradually, gradually, we start to be able to use the new body that we get in a particular way that we can integrate with society. We learn language, we learn to integrate. So the Bhagavatam says, all this learning of the human body is not for then trying to entangle yourself more. Never, never use the opportunities that you have from the human body to try to get more sense gratification. Use them uh, for hearing, inquire, ask the question, ask more questions, and then find yourself a little perch where you feel comfortable, where you can sit and hear, a, a, a safe environment in which you can hear and discuss. And if you can get the association of those who have heard a lot and have discussed a lot and have done a lot of yagya, you'll find that they have this uh, natural detachment from the material world. And they also have insights and many pertinent answers to the questions that arise between every line, even in Srila Prabhupada's books, we'll have many questions. What about this? What about that? And as we hear in the association of advanced devotees, and that was the description of advanced devotees that I just gave, 
then naturally by that association, we're diminishing our involvement in the three modes of material nature, which we have picked up by association in previous lives, sitting around with people who were attached to the material world, who thought it was a great idea to try to get comfortable here. And we listened to them. We went to seminars, we sat and leaned in and slapped our thigh and thought, yeah, yeah, haha, very good. I want to be an, an enjoyer just like this person. And then we took on those qualities, karanam guna sangosya. And then sarasad, good and bad, yoni. We get different wombs that we end up in. And here you go. That's what you wanted, little jiva. So the, the hearing process in association with advanced devotees is very potent. It at once clarifies the, the intellect, but the experience of clarifying the intellect is, well, why, what was I thinking before I heard this? I, sh I, I had a perspective on life that has been transformed into a transcendental perspective just by hearing Bhagavatam. You hear the fourth canto, the third chant, canto, second canto, first canto, all the different Bhagavatams and the Bhagavad Gita. And it transcendentalizes, this transcendentalizes our intellect. And then it also affects our heart. That our heart begins to feel uh, at once stronger. And by that, I mean, we feel that, yes, let me do the yagya. It's a good idea. It starts off of, of uh, feeling dutiful. It's my duty to be loyal to uh, the parampara, to my guru, to follow the rules and regulations. And then it becomes more a kind of uh, feeling of affection because we're getting something from it and we feel grateful for what we're being given. And as we continue the process, step by step, same process, but with more intensity, then we gradually become freed from, I said at once, we become at once, uh, our heart becomes stronger and able to overcome the desire for sense gratification. It's no longer interesting to us. At first, we feel that we have the power to uh, not entangle ourselves more, and then we lose our desire altogether. And the heart also, although it sounds contradictory, becomes softer, more pliable. And there's a way in which by continuing the process of hearing and chanting, one becomes more sensitive to what's being heard, what, what one is hearing, and it starts to become meaningful. The sound vibration or the descriptions of Krishna actually grip us. We hear something and we, we can't stop thinking about it. Tanama rupa chari tari sukirtananu smritiyo kramena rasana manasini yoja tishtam vraje tananuragi jananugami kalam nayet akilam itupadesha saro. The essence of all advice from the Upadeshamrita is that one should organize one's life around this principle of hearing and chanting. And then gradually one becomes enamored of the sound vibration. That's a good sign. And uh, what is a sound vibration? It's describing 
the eternal associates of Krishna in Vrindavan as an example, and one becomes charmed by them and eager to emulate their kind of devotional service. All this happens by uh, the association of the transcendental sound vibration. So practical steps are to find those who are engaged in speaking about Krishna and who have a taste for it and stay in that association and uh, hear, hear about Krishna and then discuss, come up with good questions, cultivate that process of hearing and chanting. And from there, everything, that kind of association, all good fortune will arise in one's heart. Chetu darpana marjanam, bhava maha davagni nirvapanam, shreya kairava, the white lotus of good fortune opens within one's life. If you, if we adhere to the process of bhakti, hearing and chanting about Krishna, then we'll get facility for everything that we need in life. Everything will come naturally by Krishna's arrangement and in ways that are so amazing that we'll, we'll start to see Krishna's hand in our life. And also all types of anomalies and contradictions will, will be justified. In other words, we'll be able to understand what is what. In the modes of nature, we, we make mistakes. We see things incorrectly. But by the purifying power, purifying vibration of the, of the Shastra and, and that comes from, especially from the mouths of advanced devotees, then we'll start to see things as they are and be able to move about the world responsibly without getting entangled. That's what it means to be responsible, to move in such a way that we don't either entangle ourselves or entangle others by our association. All right, I went on long enough. Let's take a few uh, reflections or questions. Okay, we'll start with Bhaktin Vatsala. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Please accept, please accept my humble obeisances. Um, I really like uh, the the two points that you made. One is um, like the the uh, we must not use the body for sense gratification. The real and the correct use of the body is to inquire uh, submissively about uh, our ex uh, like about about Krishna, about our existence. Where am I coming from? What's my true home? What's the permanent place? And another point that you mentioned was very uh, nice that like why, at times when I get stuck with situations in my life, I question like, why was I even born? I mean, sometimes in a funny way, sometimes in a upset way. So I would all, now I know that I was uh, in certain, in certain life, I was associated with materialistic people. And uh, that's why I'm here. That's the point you said. Uh, uh, like be, having an association of a person who is gratifying their senses or are stuck in materialistic world, you, we, I would be coming back. So uh, I really like these two points. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. 
Yes. If we position ourselves so that we're in good association, then we'll naturally advance in devotional service. Especially if we learn how to take advantage of that association. As Krishna describes in the Bhagavad Gita, there's ways of taking advantage of advanced devotees. I mean, taking advantage of their association means to approach humbly and do service and inquire submissively to try to ascertain the truth. And just by that process said, you'll see, you'll see yourself and all living entities in their proper position. That's good association. Thank right. you very much. Hare Krishna. Right. Sukeshri Hare is Krishna. next. Hare, Hare Krishna. Krishna Prabhu. Prabhu, my question is, I was wondering, I mean, I just want to know if my understanding is right, that um, a soul desires to enjoy without Krishna, you know, so because of that, he gets this robotic body, which has the mind, the senses, mind, and intelligence. So all through his life, actually, he's not the doer of anything. And just the mind will keep getting exposed to different kinds of modes. So it will act according to the modes it's exposed. And at the end of the life, whichever um, is most prominent, he will, the mind will remember that particular um, person or incident or whatever attachment he has. And um, he will be born into another body as such. So the soul asset is just entrapped and it doesn't have any um, real um, um, you know, uh, real work assets that it would do in this material world because it's actually Satchidananda, right? Because part of, part of Krishna. Is that understanding right for it? Yeah, there's nothing to see here. You can move on. You know, have you ever been to a people, you're driving by a car accident, everyone wants to stop, the policemen are waving you on saying, nothing to see here, keep moving. kyayam <laughs> purushaha. Shastra says, there's nothing to see here. Just keep moving, little jiva. You want to, there's nothing, nothing here for you. You won't be able to appreciate it. I, I want to respond a little more to your question because it, it was, it was a question at the end, but there was a long, there was a preamble. Uh, please put up verses, please put up verses um, 327 and 328. From Bhagavad Gita, that is. Prakriti Kriyamana Krishna says there is a way in which. That's 13. I would like to have three if it, it would be convenient. 327. Okay, so the spirit soul bewildered by the influence of false ego thinks himself the doer of activities that are in actuality carried out by the three modes of material nature. Now you look at the antithesis in the next verse. Tatvavit to Mahabaho. So Tatvavit means one who knows the absolute truth. Gunakarma Vibhagayo. He sees the difference between working fruitively and working in devotional service. Gunakuneshu Vartanta Itimatva Nasajite. Because he understands this, he doesn't become attached. One who is in knowledge of the absolute truth, O Mariam, does not engage himself in the senses and sense gratification, knowing well the differences between work and devotion and work for fruit or results. You can come back in the Zoom. So these two verses show the opposite sides. 
you presented the profile of somebody who becomes entangled by the modes and doesn't even know that he's not free. He's being compelled by previous impressions within the mind. That's called karma. When the samskars and the impressions we have in our mind from previous associations are compelling us at the moment to move in a particular direction. I think I'm making an independent choice, but I'm actually being pushed in a certain direction. I vote for a certain person. I listen to a kind of music. I like a certain type of food. It's because of the samskars I've already acquired in my mind, combinations and permutations. However, when I break out of that closed system or rather information comes into that closed system to inform me of the absolute truth, then I become a tattva vit. I understand tattva. Tattva really means, tat means that. Tattva means knowing uh, the categories of thatness. There are different categories of energy. Vedanti tat tattva vidas tattvam yaj jnanamadvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabdite. There, in the conception of the absolute, the advaya jnan tattva, there are three different categories, Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan. And then there are different energies. Um, we, we hear Vishnu Shakti Paraprokta, Shetra Gyakya Tatapara, Avidya Karma Sangyangya, Tritya Shakti Rishite, the, the, the energies in general of, the, of everything are divided into the category of Yes, there's the internal energy, the external energy, and the marginal energy, or the living being who can live in either the internal or the external. These are categories. When we say tattva, we know the difference between internal and external energy. Most people have no idea that there is a difference between those. So part of becoming self-realized is to learn tattva. What, is, what are the categories of existence, of energies? And what are the different effects? There's a difference in the kind of knowledge that comes from the category of the material world and that of knowledge that comes from outside the closed system from the spiritual world. The diff there are different effects. This is Upanishad, by the way. So if somebody, when I shout these verses, some pundits, you put, please put them in the chat box for everyone, anyone who's looking them up and wants to know where they are. Thank you, pundits. There's a of you online there today. Yes? Yes? So um, if we know tattva, then we become tattva-vit. We know tapas. We know the different categories. We know the difference between myself and God. <laughs> there is a God, I'm not him. That's important. We also know that material nature is foreign to us. That's important. All sambandhagyan. We know I have, I have a relationship with Krishna, with God. And I also know about the three modes of material nature. I know all the tattvas. So even when we get to the spiritual world or into the category of spiritual knowledge, there are combinations, there are various categories of information of tattva, called tattva, rasa tattva, bhakti tattva, jnana tattva. All of these tattvas 
are important to know. So we learn them from hearing. And when you become tattvavit, tu mahabaho guna karma vibhagayo guna guneshu, then you become free. Because then you can make actually, uh, you can override the impressions you're getting from previous, well, previous samskaras. Impressions are samskaras, that's redundant. So you're, you're able to overcome the compelling forces that are pushing you to go in a certain direction because you get this knowledge. But besides knowledge, we also need a taste. And if we have a taste for something higher, Krishna says, Vishaya vinivartante nira hara siddhihina then we don't even have the last uh, vestiges of uh, any proclivity to, to act in the modes of material nature. We've got a higher taste. Then we're coming into the safe side. So um, anyway, I hope that answers the last part of your question. And the next, Prabhu, please. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Uh, if you possible, can you please read from uh, Srimad Bhagavatam uh, 11, 13, 9 to 10, uh, the last paragraph of the purport, if possible? Yes, we can do it. It's possible. We have the technological know how and the will. <laughs> That's. Uh... So 11.13, so 11.13.9 uh, to 10, the last paragraph of the purport. 13.13, yeah. uh, so 11, 11.3. No, no, 11.13, uh, okay. 0.9 to 10. 9 to 10, okay. The last paragraph of the purport. I think it's very appropriate for today's uh, verse. The Supreme Personality of Godhead. I need to go up a little more. The Supreme, the Supreme Personality of God had said, my dear Uddhava, a person bereft of intelligence first falsely identifies himself with the material body and mind. And when such false knowledge arises within one's consciousness, material passion, the cause of great suffering pervades the mind, which by nature is situated in goodness. Then the mind contaminated by passion becomes absorbed in making and changing many plans for material enjoyment. Thus, by constantly thinking of the modes of material nature, a foolish person is afflicted with unbearable material desires. Purport. Those who are trying to enjoy material sense gratification are not actually intelligent, although they consider themselves most intelligent. Although such foolish persons themselves criticize the miseries of material life in innumerable books, songs, newspapers, television programs, civic committees, etc., they cannot desist from material life for a single moment. You get a Bhagavad Gita's assistance, cease and desist letter. My dear living entity, please cease and desist from your <laughs> engagement. The process by which one is helplessly bound in illusion is clearly described here. A materialistic person is always thinking, oh, what a beautiful house. I wish we could buy it. Or 
what a beautiful woman, I wish I could touch her, or what a powerful position, I wish I could occupy it, and so on. The words sankalpa sa vikalpaha indicate that a materialist is always making new plans or modifying his old plans to increase his material enjoyment. Although in his saner moments, he admits that material life is full of suffering. The mind is created from the mode of goodness as described in Sankhya philosophy. And the natural peaceful situation in the mind is pure love of Krishna in which there's no mental disturbance, disappointment or confusion. Artificially, the mind is dragged down to a lower platform in passion or ignorance. And thus one is never satisfied. Next. Karoti Kama Vashagha Karman Yavichitendriya Dukho Dharkani Sampashyan Rajo Vega Vimohita. One who does not control the material senses comes under the control of material desires and is thus bewildered by the strong waves of the mode of passion. Such a person executes material activities, although clearly seeing that the result will be future unhappiness. Rajas tamo bhyam api vidvan vikshipa dhi puna atandrato mano yunjan dosha drishtir nasajjate. Although the intelligence of a learned person may be bewildered by the modes of passion and ignorance, he should again carefully bring the mind under control by clearly seeing the contamination of the modes of nature, he does not become attached. Apramato nuyunjita mano mayarpanyan chanai anirvinno yata kalam jitta shvasho jitasanaha a person should be attentive and grave and never lazy or morose. Mastering the yoga procedures of breathing and sitting properly, one should practice fixing the mind on me at dawn, noon, and sunset. And thus gradually the mind should be completely absorbed in me. Very nicely, uh, thank you Prabhu. That uh, gave a fine tuning to the whole process. Very helpful. Did somebody write it in the chat? Let's see. Where's all their pundits writing stuff in the chat box? Okay, let's see. We have Vaikuntha Nayaka Prabhu. Dandavats Maharaja, Vishnu Prabhupada. Hare Krishna. The key takeaway for this lecture would be from a Kafkaesque body to an all-fortunate body. That is my key takeaway, actually. When you gave the reference to Kafka, I was really uh, surprised. When I first heard of Kafka long back, I thought, what a stupid story. A person uh, just wakes up in the morning and finds himself as a cockroach. But now when you are uh, uh, giving the reference to Kafka, I feel that, okay, how similar... Uh, my stupidity has been that, okay, I'm suddenly born and uh, into a particular body and my situation is very much similar. Right? So if you could uh, kindly elaborate a bit on uh, this Kafka's situation and our situation, how it is similar 
that'll help. Go to sleep as a man, wake up as a dog. Those words shocked me one day when I was driving, listening to Prabhupada lecture, and he was having a conversation with Vishnu Jana Maharaj and a couple others, and they were talking about how, actually Vishnu Jana Maharaj was saying that he, they were going to some carnivals and they, they claimed they had some machine where they could uh, remove a man's head and then put it back on again, <laughs> and he would live and things like that. And Prabhupada was talking about the materialistic civilization and say that all these scientific promises, actually it was, it was a, a promise that someday we could actually freeze bodies and bring them back to life. He said all these promises, but in the meanwhile, they're subjected to the, to the three modes of material nature. And they said, death is like going to sleep. And he said, materialistic people, they go to sleep as a man, wake up as a dog. And just that statement really shocked me because just think of the implications. I mean, it's the scariest thought, you know, you're out of control, you don't get to decide, and then you're assigned something. And, you know, we're, it's a precarious situation. Prahlad Maharaj points this out in his prayers, Srivatsa's favorite prayers from the Bhagavatam. He likes that ninth chapter of the seventh canto. And in there, it's mentioned that Prahlad Maharaj says, my Lord, I'm not afraid of you. Everyone's afraid of you. You're roaring. But what I'm afraid of, he says, I'm, I'm afraid of falling back down again. I get caught in this wheel of the material nature and be reabsorbed into there. So it's a very dangerous, very scary situation and precarious. Look at Bart Maharaj. You can read that story and see. He took he he was he was in a great position, but then he became absorbed in a deer. He transferred his affection to a deer. He didn't have proper association. He's all by himself. Don't go to the woods. Stay in the association devotees. They can pull you out of it. And then he became a deer and he remembered he was a deer, literally went to sleep as a man, woke up as a deer. And he was repentant like anything, so much so that he was sober enough when he took his next birth as Judd Bharat that he said, I'm not touching anything. You know those shops you go in, your mother tells you, don't touch anything now. Don't you touch a thing. <laughs> you, you're going to break it. You touch it. I have to buy it. And if we touch anything in this world, we have to buy it. So the way not to touch it is to, is to do service everywhere you go. If you claim this is mine, when you break it, you, it's, you, you have to pay for it. So, so stay in the mode of, uh, this is not mine, this is Krishna's, I just work here. I'm, I'm an employee and, and none of this is mine. Not even one penny is mine. I can't touch anything. You touch it, you own it, and then, it, then you got to pay for it. Okay, let's see. Shamalangi. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, Dandavat Pranam. Hare Krishna. Uh, so we talked about this hearing from authorities, and I just remembered a purport um, uh, from Shila Prabhupada in the third canto, I, yeah, third canto, where he talks about Devahuti. And uh, so uh, she did not see uh, Kardamuni at any point, or she did not experience you know, any of his uh, qualities, but she heard about it from Narada Muni. 
and she just just by hearing she fixed his uh, her mind on him and she was willing to like she wanted to marry him and then propad um, he says that hearing from the authority from an and and hearing from an authority is a better experience than gaining personal understanding so that's something i just recall right now that's such a nice point it's also applicable in the case of the wives of the brahmanas when they developed their purvarag or love for krishna before they had even met him and that's because they heard from some of the residents of vrindavan nearby who were selling flowers and other other things at the what do you call that the farmers market and um and they would talk about krishna they had always talking krishna katha and they just from hearing from them they developed this love so that when the coward boys came and said krishna balaram nearby and they need some they immediately jumped into action they they were so prepared so we can prepare ourselves in the same way by hearing in association devotees and the point about hearing from pure devotees is brought up by prithu maharaj where he says that pure devotees have a special quality and that is they love krishna and so when they speak that that prema is mixed with their voice the the transcendental vibration it, it's it sound carries consciousness our speech carries our consciousness and if you have integrity spiritual integrity people notice it in your voice they notice in your presentation and it's, it's your quality we pick up qualities we're very sensitive they go right into us and if somebody has this quality of being fixed in krishna consciousness we imbibe that we drink it in through hearing and if somebody has prema in their heart then we can take that in also so you're very good points you bring up thank you very much we have shamarupa hari krishna maharaj thank you hare for a wonderful lecture i have one question and the question is that uh, when we are going through many different situations in life let's say there is a particular situation which is could be due to our you know past karma is just getting delivered at the same time we are trying to you know, pull out of that by taking a shelter of hearing association so it's kind of a uh, what i would say a little uh, balancing act and because we have to deal with this we have to also trying to pull and we are uh, at least uh, i don't have that level so what uh, my question is how do i how do we deal with the situation that is at hand and how much should we observe what is the balance how should we deal with this both the things that is there at our disposal this was a question sanatan and rupa goswami had uh, posed before shri chaitanya mahaprabhu when they first met him they went off to meet him secretly and they they knew in their hearts they wanted to join chaitanya mahaprabhu but they couldn't because they were already entangled in their work they were he was uh, rupa goswami chief minister sanatan goswami they were highly placed uh so expert management everything so it's it's hard when you you know you're expert you get hired and then you're at the top like they were and then the rich society they were multi multi millionaires everything going then they decided uh this is wrong there's this cognitive dissonance like i know where i want to be but i can't be there so they inquired from chaitanya mahaprabhu what do we do now and he wrote to them and said that just as a woman 
who has a paramour, a secret lover, and is still at home and uh, doing her housework, then she's extra attentive to her work at home. So no one will detect that she's thinking about her paramours somewhere else. Because So he said in the same way, you stay where you are and you keep that uh, meditation in your heart of where you wanna be and do your work expertly until you're, you have the opportunity to do that. And also, vidyam cha vidyam cha yas tad vedo bayam saha avidya yamratum tirtva vidya yamratum ashnute. The Sri Shapanishad says, only one who can learn the process of transcendental knowledge and nescience side by side can transcend the influence of repeated birth and death and enjoy the full blessings of immortality. So there's a way in which when we are ensconced in matter, that we learn a lot by the juxtaposition of ourselves with uh, our desire for Krishna consciousness and our obligation to the material world. And it increases our intensity. Do you look at Prophet's situation? He showed perfect example of then praying, like, how can I fulfill the order of my spiritual master? I'm in this situation and, oh boy, look what happened. There's no impediment to uh, devotional service. There can be no impediment. If it's, if it's not readily manifesting in our lives all the situations we need, we have things to learn, actually. And Krishna's helping us. This is mentioned in Tatenu Kampam Susamikshamano. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, we may have last vestiges. Even when we surrender, there's no more karma but it's actually Krishna's hand in our life. And he's giving us some kinds of obstacles to help us overcome the last vestiges of our attachment to the material world. So you're all right. Keep on keeping on. All right. We have a few more hands up. And next was Bhakti Rohit. Hare Krishna Guru Hare Krishna. Uh, just when you were saying don't touch anything, I was just remembering um, one lecture when you said it gave the example of Amazon. When you go on Amazon and you don't want to buy something, but still you click on it, it'll follow you everywhere on your phone, on your computer, Facebook, everywhere till you actually buy it. So just remembering that an analogy. And um, another question I had is that um, in this, I mean, in current age of liberalism and free thinking, people, especially the youngsters, they think that this path of seeking instead of submitting is much more superior because why should I actually just renounce everything and close myself in a bubble, believing in some, some, something ethereal because somebody else said it, instead I would just seek, out, seek it out myself through my own experience instead of renouncing anything. So my question is like, how can we actually present this, uh, this, this the fact of submitting and receiving knowledge and um, God consciousness is much more higher and better than actually seeking out yourself and going out all the way. Yes. Uh, can we, you know, well, just juxtapose ourselves in that situation? Well, Kapila Dave uh, points out that the doubting, doubting is a function of the intelligence. And it's important because through doubting, we can triangulate and come to a siddhanta. That means um, 
I can rule out many different options until I come to the best option. That's what doubting is for. It's a part of the intellect. And so we can encourage people to use the doubting function because people think, oh, I'm not supposed to doubt anything. They say, no, you are supposed to doubt, but it's meant to be a process of elimination. If the doubting process goes on uh, in, in ad infinitum and there's no end to it, then it doesn't make any sense. Like people are doing research and they say, well, there is no absolute truth. Then why are you doing research? <laughs> if you can't come to a, if you can't come to a point of, of actual knowledge and, and follow and have a, an infallible source or conclusion or a siddhanta, then what is the point of doing research? So yes, use your doubting function, but it's meant to eliminate until you come down to the, to the option through which by pursuing that option, all other options are fulfilled. And this is even what scientists attempt to do, like Einstein, uh, I mean, you know, it's probably apocryphal, but his girlfriend said, like, why don't you write stuff down? He said, he said because I only have one idea. It's how to, how, to, how to explain everything. And this is physics. They want to circumscribe everything in the world by one equation. Everyone has this proclivity to come to a, a siddhanta. That's what knowledge means. Otherwise, why take it up? It's just, uh, it's just an entertainment. It's just hobby. That doesn't make sense. So yes, use your doubting facility, but then use it to come to the point of understanding what's the best. So in Chaitanya Charitamrita, the uh, author, Kaviraj Goswami says, yes, you use your intellectual capacity to try to understand the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, then you'll be completely satisfied. Okay, we have Vrindavan Sundar. I'm looking at the hands in the participants in the order they are. Is that the correct way to do it? Sri Antariksha, we need technical help. Yes. Vrindavan Sundar, please go ahead. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Um, so. Is that Sadhu Vrindavan? Yeah, this is Sadhu. I forgot to change my name. Okay. Um, so, um, I, you were talking about how Bharat Maharaj, how he went to the woods and then he, um, he got attached to a deer and then in his next life, he became a deer. And after that, he became Jadabharat and then eventually went back to Godhead. But then I was thinking that of a verse, I was reading the first canto recently and, um, in a verse, it said that, uh, even, even if a, uh, even if a devotee, um, who's doing devotion service fall, falls down from the, uh, from falls down. Um, he, he, it'll be easier for him to come up because he remembers the, uh, he remembers the, he remembers the ecstasy that he felt and the happiness that he felt after he, uh, he did, after he fell down and, um, he, so it becomes easier for him to, it became easier for him to come up and actually it becomes easier for him to come up and actually start practicing devotional service again, because even Jadabharat, after he became a deer, he, rem he remem remembered his past life. And after the deer, J he became Jadabharat. And, you know, he eventually went back to God. So I was thinking about that point. Yeah, it's a great verse. Let's look at it. It's the first canto, fifth chapter, two, number 20? 19. 1519, thank you.
pundits, please put it in the chat. My dear Vyas, let's see the Sanskrit. Please put it on the board. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Navajano jatu katanchandavrajan mukunda sevan yavadanga samstritim smaran mukundang rupaguhanam punar vihatumichenda rasagrahojana. My dear Vyasa, even though a devotee of Lord Krishna sometimes falls down, somehow or other, he certainly does not undergo material existence like others, fruit of workers, etc., because a person who has once relished the taste of the lotus feet of the Lord can do nothing but remember that ecstasy again and again. You can come back in the room. So in the commentary of that verse, rasa jana means rasa graho jana is haunted by the ghost of rasa. In other words, the taste of Krishna consciousness. You're sitting there chanting and you're thinking, oh, I'm missing this for many lifetimes and it's so happy. And then somehow you stray from Krishna consciousness, but that taste is like a ghost that haunts you. It keeps coming back that you can't enjoy the material world. And remember, remember the taste of the embrace of, of Lord Krishna and how sweet it was. Okay, uh, thank you for bringing that in. And now we have Arindama and then Deva Rata. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj and Dr. Pranam. Hare Krishna. Uh, Maharaj, I had a couple of questions. So you made a very wonderful point about how our consciousness is presented through our speech and how it can be uh, interpreted um, when we uh, you know, speak. So um, I was thinking about that and how it was directly related to our um, association. So my question was that, can you elaborate a little bit on what activities and actions constitute as association? Like when we say associate with devotees in order to maintain or, you know, be enthusiastic in our Krishna consciousness, like what would uh, a devotee do or get around in a situation where direct association of devotees is, you know, sometimes not possible? And uh, my second question was... No, no, that, no, one at a time. I have okay. a little pea brain. I can't accommodate so many things. Dati pratigranati kuyamakyati prachiti bhunkte bojayate chaiva shadvidam prachilakshanam. These are the six exchanges of love between one devotee and another. So love means you can't just love the air. He said, like, oh, I love the air. No, you don't. Love, air means... There's no exchange of love. You have to give something and you have to take something to love. There's an exchange and there's a language of love also. This is in psychology and in counseling. They teach couples when they do premarital counseling that they're called the language of love. How to, how to, uh, how to express yourself in a loving way. Some ways in, in these uh, counseling sessions, they'll tell you about... Uh, the language of love, service. Do some service for the other person. The other one is uh, give some encouragement, some some appreciation. Um, and there are several more. They're assumed within these dadati pratigranati. So there's a very important verse in the Upadeshamrita, which is placed even before the verses about chanting. So we have to have a sense of relationship with the devotees. So how is it enacted? Giving gifts and accepting gifts. 
then giving, uh, speaking our minds, uh, uh, you know, to talk deeply with other devotees, exchanging uh, what's in our minds, what's our realizations, what are we going through, what are we realizing, and hearing the other person. And then third one is giving prasad, taking prasad together. Doesn't that sound nice? I mean, we could get into that kind of lifestyle. <laughs> I mean, it's everything we like, relationships, happiness. I, I can just remember so many times being with devotees. And um, I mean, I, I have these very uh, vivid memories in the Brahmacharya ashram of just sitting there thinking, I'm so happy. I'm just sitting here with the devotees having kitri, sitting on the floor. I mean, it didn't matter where we were. We used to eat on the floor in the airport. We go down the elevator. There was a deserted part of the airport. They put wax paper on the floor and we're sitting in Kitri on the floor and you're with your, with, you're with your friends and you're eating. It's a transcendental food. <laughs> and you have things to say and exchange and it, you're filled up. It's so happy. And, and all the times now, you know, like when we have a festival at ISV and everyone comes together and we share our thoughts and then we have a big kirtan and then we have prasadam together and everyone's like, you could barely even hear in the temple because everyone's talking. You know, I saw, I heard Krishna said this and I heard Krishna said that and the other one said, yeah, but Krishna said this and everyone's talking Krishna, 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 Krishna and revealing what they feel about Krishna. And then Everyone walking home feel like I'm okay. Everything's fine. Doesn't matter. The world just got blown up somewhere here, there. I mean, it's like you're transcendental to the three modes of material nature. So, dadati pratigranati. Second question, Prabhu. Yes, Mara. So we were talking today about um, maintaining the correct association, so we don't get attached to material things, and in turn, that would affect our next birth. So I was just reading the, the Gita today and Krishna says that in the 18th chapter, the seventh verse, where he says that um, uh, if we do not do our prescribed duties and renunciate that, then that renunciation would be considered as renunciation under mode of ignorance. So how would that be um, true here? Well, elsewhere he says, if you give up your duty out of, because it's inconvenient, that's in the mode of passion. And if you don't do your duty at all, it's in the mode of ignorance. So I'm not sure what your question is. Fact is that as far as your, your worldly duty is, uh, um, it's, it's according to necessity. I mean, you have to live in the world and therefore Prophet writes in one of his purports is as far as uh, how you, you get your livelihood. He said you should be inventive. Be inventive. Figure out a way. Figure out a way to get through it. Uh, to stay afloat in the material side without getting so tipped over that you can't uh, do your spiritual practice. That's the best. If you can. And, and if you're in some occupation, even as you're working, he writes also in the 18th chapter of the Gita and he quotes the Acharyas. And that is, you should be offering that work to Krishna, saying, I'm doing this on your behalf. So if you have a service to do, a bona fide service, and you have the adhikari to be engaged full-time service, and you don't have no other necessity, then that's okay. 
but the fact is that most people don't. A lot of people, uh, you know, quit their jobs prematurely or something like that, and then try to, like, I'm just going to hear and chant all day, and next thing, sleeping or or whatever. And even, you know, sometimes devotees go to the dom and they just all stay in the dom. You still have to have service there, otherwise. Every, there's plenty of people in the Dom, they'll talk nonsense to you and really heavy nonsense too. I mean, there's around Vrindavan, there's all kinds of people who know Sanskrit and they'll start telling you, you know, this, that, the other thing uh, about your Sampradaya, about Mayavad philosophy, blah, blah, blah. So wherever you go, there you are. Uh, so basically stay safe by having a service wherever you are. You have to be engaged in service. That's the main point. And if you're connected to that and you offer your work as service, then you can stay in a transcendental position. That's preliminary. I can answer more later for you. Prabhu. Thank you, Marge. Hare Krishna. Hey, David Vrata, we finally made it to you. Hare Krishna, Marge. Hare Krishna. You made a point about my toothbrush, but from time to time, I need money to go to the Dom too. <laughs> yeah uh, uh, that's important we used to call it the irf india relief fund so i was just thinking about this point you're making about you know making krishna kata like the center of our life and how krishna arranges everything to facilitate that and i was just thinking of the verse ananyas chintayanto mam yejana payupasate tesam nitya biyukta mam yogakshema vinam yaham that you know krishna he provides what we lack and I mean, maintains what we have and provides what we lack. So, you know, initially it may not seem that everything is there that we need in order to, to facilitate the hearing and chanting, but at least, if at least the intention is there to fix hearing and chanting as my number one priority in life. I've noticed personally in my life that Krishna made like miracles happen in order to expand that desire, in order to expand that facility. And, uh, it's, I mean, it's really, really amazing. And I'm reminded of this quote that a devotee told me. He said it's from Bhakti Siddhanta, but I, don't, I haven't verified it. But nonetheless, it's, it's nice. He says that uh, one, who sees, one, who's, one who puts everything in God's hand sees God's hand in everything. And so I was just appreciating uh, this point in a relationship to making the center of our life Krishna Kata and how Krishna provides all the facility in order to expand that vibration. I was just remembering how in Mayapur, when I first went there with you, we were reading in this little room in the, in the Vaishnava Academy. It's just me, you, and like the RVC Brahmacharis. And then like two, three years later, we were sitting in the, you know, the top floor with like, you know, 10, 20 devotees all reading Srimad Bhagavatam together and how Krishna had expanded the facility in order to expand that vibration. Thank you, Guru Maharaj. Sanatan Goswami did it. He called in sick. He told his boss, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling well. I can't come in. So his boss sent the doctor down there after a few days because he said, I need him. You know, what's going on? Find out what, how sick he is. So he went down there and there was 20 Brahmins sitting there. And, they were, and, they, and Sanatana Goswami was orchestrating this discussion about Srimad Bhagavatam. So the doctor went back and said, he's not sick. He's reading Bhagavatam. <laughs> so this is a part of the, our tradition from our Sampradaya. Find a place where you can uh, hear and chant. Read Prabhupada's books. Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita, Bhagavad Gita, and Nectar Devotion. Prabhupada said at least these four are most important. Uh, go through them really carefully 
you get solid footing in Krishna consciousness, especially if you discuss amongst the uh, devotees. And if you can get an association that's more advanced than yourself, then you make rapid advancement. If you're the smartest one in the room, you're in the wrong room. Dhanavari, please go ahead. Thank you, David Ratha Prabhu. Good to see you. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, uh, please accept my humble obeisances. Uh, thank you so much for wonderful class as always. Uh, I have one reflection and one question. Okay. Uh, I like so many points that I'm going to share. The one you say that you we carry our nature no matter where we go and we try to move our position position um, differently and we because we want to enjoy and it is so true and I experience all the time and then I feel like oh why did I even go there and so I really like that point um, and uh, I my other my question is um, you mentioned Karanam Gunasangotsya point we pick on someone's quality and so my question is when we uh, when devotees get into like uh, association that is not uh, good or whatever and then we say that we pick we pick a bad association but can they also pick up good association uh, from devotee too right I, I just my understanding to just check my understanding somebody asked me a question and I couldn't answer so it made me think that is it right? How is that right? How do I answer and understand that? 1975, we were in Vrindavan. And did you know, I don't know if you, any of you knows it, but Prabhupada opened a bank. He opened a bank right in the, right where the guest house is now. Actually, right around where, where, his, where they have the Bhagavad Gita classes at night. That used to be a bank. And so we were all there with Prabhupada when he opened it. And he, there was a group of us around and Prabhupada was opening the bank there. There was a bank teller in there and everything he was inaugurating. So he turned around and he told us a joke. You wanna hear the joke? Okay, yes. so Prabhupada said, Prabhupada said, so there was a man and he heard that money attracts money. So he went into the bank and he put his money on the counter and then, uh, the uh, teller behind the thing said, so uh, how can I help you? He said, I heard that money attracts money. So I brought this here, I put it on the counter and the teller picked up the money and put it in the till. He said, yes, but in this case, our money has attracted yours. Thank you very much. <laughs> that was a Prabhupada's joke. So there's a way in which, uh, yes, um, we can give good association, but make sure you're up for it. Because if you go out into bad association, but you're not strong enough, then you can be waylaid and affected uh, by that association. Now, when we were going on in Sankirtan, somebody started a rumor that when you're on Sankirtan, if you're shaking hands, I don't, not that many people do it anymore, especially during the pandemic, but we used to shake everybody's hand. That was part of our routine, shake hands, shake hands, shake hands. And somebody started this rumor that we were taking on people's karma by shaking hands, might even be in a letter. 
And Prabhupada uh, responded to that. He said, no, you're preaching. You're, you're protected by the divine energy. You're going out to give association, not to take it. So if we fortify ourselves and we're, we're doing our, our uh, service, especially if, we have, if we're protected by good association, then we can give association. That's why we do the outreach. People get association of devotees all the time. You know, knock, knock, they're at the door smiling and they just, they're bringing that same energy from the temple, from their bhajan and people pick it up and they get affected. But if we get into other kinds of association and, and we don't heed Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's instruction when he was asked, what is a Vaishnava? And he said, Asatsangatyage Vaishnavachar. A Vaishnava is someone who avoids bad association. <laughs> we have to be careful because if we get drawn in, actually you can even get turned around. You know, people get radicalized. We have to be careful that, you know, someone will start uh, like, yeah, you should criticize devotees. It's a good idea. You know, that, that's how you really get advanced is you start criticizing the devotees as hard as you can. Is that that way, you know, it proves that you're more advanced, whatever it may be, or they get attached to some cause, some mundane cause. There's all kinds of mundane causes one can get attached to that relate to worldly activities. And then, you know, they uh, present that. This is all in a purport in the Gudicha temple. Srila Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati names dozens of mundane causes that one can get absorbed in. And even he said, devotees can pick these up and then they, they're the weeds. So if we associate with people like that, after some time, we'll start thinking, yeah, actually um, this kind of um, connection to, uh, you know, like uh, fault finding, uh, doing business to in, improve my devotional service, um, he names all kinds of uh, categories. If someone wants to look it up, you can look at it. You can look up the word kutinati. Then you'll find in that purport a list, a long list of things you can get into if you associate with the wrong people. And I've seen it before. Devotees wander off. They go sit with somebody who starts criticizing their sampradaya uh, and uh, uh, the whole process of Krishna causes are one aspect of the philosophy. And then next thing you know, they become turned around and they feel what they were in love with before. Now they're inimical towards. This is called being radicalized. So we're little tiny jivas. You have to be careful and protect your creeper and put a fence around it and make sure. It doesn't mean we ignore everybody and everybody else is a demon, but it means you have to be a little careful until you're really strong. And when you're really strong and you can move about the world, you should still be careful. And Prabhupada writes about this in the Bhagavatam. He said, this is one of the principles of Krishna consciousness. You should always be careful. The minute you think I can't fall down, you're finished. The minute you think I'm liberated, I can take liberties because I'm, I'm liberated and I'm better than everybody else. My preaching methods, more effective. Everything about me is good. The next thing you know, uh, you're going you're gonna to have some discordant uh, vibration that's not Trinata, Pisunice, no. Look at the top devotees. They have dainya, extreme humility. All of the devotees that Narada interviews in, in the Riyat Bhagavatamrita all claim that they're not qualified. 
And they all point to some of their Vaishnav. Even when you get to the, the topmost, or especially when you get to the topmost, the gopis of Vrindavan, they, they talk about, yeah, well, Dhruva Maharaj, Prahlad Maharaj. They cry when they think of Dhruva's activities. So it's, a, it's important to protect ourselves from association that can as subtly affect us in, a, in one way or the other, because it's, a, it's easy enough to go off track and don't think it can't happen to, I shouldn't think it can't happen to me. And that's, that's when I'm unguarded. Thank you so much. Well, thank Krishna. you very much. And we cleared the board, didn't we? Thank you, everybody. We'll have a, a, a little kirtan to end and then for Sodom for everybody. Hey, Haribo. Is there a possibility to save the uh, what's in the chat? for like the verses that you wrote down, Manjula Kanta? We could preserve those, that'd be good. We need a paper trail to prove that we are busily engaged in Krishna Kata, in case we get audited. Yep, here's all the verses. Hare Krishna! Hare Krishna! Hare Krishna! Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.